Hi, I'm Melanie. And I'm Anna. And welcome to Over Drinks, a science podcast where we unpack scientific topics through casual conversation. We are two PhD students studying molecular biology who decided to create a podcast that combines two of our favorite passions, science and drinking. Please join us as we talk about science like it's gossip at a happy hour. Welcome Welcome to to Over Drinks. Hello, Melanie. Hi, Anna. How are you today? Um, I'm good. I'm ready to, to talk about our topic, to, to drink some alcoholic beverages. Um, going in all on honesty. soon. Oh my god, yeah. Super hyped great. about that. In, in all honesty, I am not the most excited about our drinks for today. I know. I, and we might as well just say it. Um, we are drinking hard kombucha today mm-hmm. uh, because our topic for the day is uh, how our microbiomes are related to nutrition. Yeah. And uh, your gut. Yeah. The gut microbiome specifically. Which means, you know, we got to drink something related to gut health. Because we love a theme. So, it, it, you know, it just really made sense that we and have kombucha. Melanie loves her kombucha. I would like to preface, though, and say that you texted me and you were like, I think I'm going to get hard kombucha for the episode. And I was like, amazing. Great. So don't even try and say that Look. you got it because I was like, I think that we needed to get this. But what else could we have drank today that fits the theme of gut microbiome and right. nutrition besides kombucha and kombucha itself is like not the best so i thought maybe i love a little, kombucha i know i <laughs> Which know is why i love hard kombucha. kombucha i've had hard kombucha before because you recommended i think it that me. i made you try it yep. and you were like i don't like this and i was like i think that you're wrong though <laughs> uh, yeah you're like try it again yeah because i think you you know you need a second or third sip to really let it sit and i was like i'm i'm trying but it's not it's not sitting well uh, yeah. so i'm gonna now take my first sip yeah let me know now that you... we're on air and i um i'm I gonna haven't... give my live review so we're drinking uh flying embers hard kombucha watermelon flavors with uh, hints of basil and sea salt. Interesting. Uh, And I found this at Trader Joe's, actually. And they do sell other flavors of flying embers. But you can also just get individual cans for $2.50. So if you're ever, like, not having a good vibe day and your gut health is whack and your mind is whack, you might as well stop by and get one (laughs) single can of flying embers hard kombucha. I really feel like they should have sponsored us for that statement. Right. To clarify, we are not sponsored. Once again, we're still not sponsored, but I think we need to start being sponsored by these drink companies because we are selling the shit out of them. Or at least Trader Joe's. Oh, come on, Trader Joe's. Get with it. So I'm going to take a sip now. You know, (laughs) your face was so (laughs) unhappy with that. I was just about to say it's not that bad, but I can't lie because Melanie just saw the face that I made. Yeah, it does. I think the watermelon flavor does make it better. Yeah. What do you think? What's your opinion? I, I mean, I like all hard kombucha. I have other favorites, but it's still fine. Yeah. Why did you take another second? (laughs) I did not. Just chug the whole thing now. Because you think I should shotgun this real quick? Yeah. With all the carbonation and all the all that fun stuff. 
it's i just took an even bigger sip i was like maybe the watermelon flavor but nope it yeah. was I, but i'm gonna sip on it because out of go. out of pure love for this podcast and for our listeners <laughs> and, and for, for me. gut health and for you <laughs> <laughs> um also people if you don't know what kombucha is because you're not living in Southern California where everyone's a fucking psychotic freak who tries every new thing to whatever be skinny. Um, it's essentially just a beverage that has like a live microorganisms that are bacteria that are normally beneficial for your gut health. And that's called the probiotic, which yes. we actually were going to talk about a little bit more today. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, so and and we can get into it a little later, but yeah, so like a probiotic would be an actual live microorganism mm-hmm. that helps it it provides a healthy benefit to our our health and and an immune system right right so uh kombucha has healthy bacteria healthy microbes mm-hmm. uh that help promote the continued uh diverse or continued proliferation of other healthy right. microbes in our bodies and that's kind of the the benefit of that so it actually does have known effect, healthy effects kombucha right. yeah uh it's just i'm personally a little traumatized by kombucha uh because i grew up in a really really small town in the middle of nowhere uh in in northern california mm-hmm. that was like a hippie town and your hippie co- co- commune of anti-vaxxers <laughs> and kombucha drinkers <laughs> yeah who did you know like you know singing circles and around the bonfire and the yeah. whole thing sorry honest family i don't mean to be mean to you i love my hometown i would recommend everybody to go to it no joke it's gorgeous but and, and the people are gorgeous as well where? so uh, that's why i'm making these jokes um can but you, can you tell me where your hometown is it's called gulala california gulala gulala or walala Oh. It's just off. It's on the coast of Northern California in Mendocino County. Uh, there's like Point Wallala and Point Arena are really mm-hmm. close to each other, which you wouldn't like. No one would know either of those. They yeah. both have 500 people in them. <laughs> Me growing up in Southern California my entire life. I'm like, right. the world stops in San Luis Obispo and, and like, I, well, oh, goes yes. no further. <laughs> didn't recognize the name Gualala, but Point Arena. Totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Can totally picture it. Uh, but then there's kind of like Santa Rosa. And then on the other side is a town called Ukiah. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, but it's seriously like if you were to go right along the coast of Northern California, you would end up hitting it. So gotcha. like from San Francisco down right along that coast heading up north. Mm-hmm. I really hope that that's right. It might be closer well, to it's the fine. Down. You don't have a driver's license. You have no <laughs> sense of driving direction. <laughs> wow. Thanks for that. Yeah. Just want to tell the whole world. I'm 23 and I don't have my driver's license. So Listen. that's out there. That's my <laughs> biggest, deepest, darkest confession. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I was a little bit traumatized from that childhood because, you know, now you can go to Trader Joe's, you can go to the grocery store and you can get fancy kombucha that's like flavored and has chia seeds in it and it's like you know has beautiful packaging and it tastes good it's called like synergy right oh you know that's your favorite don't even make (laughs) Um, i was the only one that i could think of that was a a really funny name to me yeah but yeah so it's like pack it's like fits the southern california i want to get skinny vibe yeah but how i grew up was my you know mom's hippie friends who basically helped raise me Mm -hmm. would make it with like the mother right on the top of and that's basically like the mother is like the bacterial 
film that is what cultivates the kombucha Mm -hmm. it's kind of what helps promote all of those bacteria to grow within the tea kind of it makes me think of like an alien movie yeah it's like the mothership of right of the you know like all the cultures that you're gonna make to make your kombucha exactly and so you just kind of you can extract from the mother or take the mother and move it into a new jar in order to make more kombucha and so i grew up surrounded by jars of like kombucha (laughs) that were like fermenting on the shelves and and when they would make me drink that as a five-year-old child like this mm, not really my palate guys it's not exactly so that's my first experience with kombucha and so i think since then i've just had kind of a like my taste buds just (laughs) always go back to the trauma of having to drink it when i was five years old because Mm -hmm. it's like it is good for you Mm -hmm. and growing up they wanted me to be a healthy little five-year-old with a nice healthy gut which we'll talk more about that today Mm -hmm. too about the importance of of those first three years of life cultivating your gut microbiome uh but uh maybe five years old was still a little too young to try (laughs) kombucha i don't think my palate was developed enough for for that i don't remember the first time i had it i think i someone told me you can like drink bacteria and i went is that safe and they went, sure. And I went, okay, well, I'm going to, even if it's not, I'm going to try it. And as a microbiologist, you're like, yep, like, amazing. Sign me up. Yeah. I will drink that. Um, yeah. So that's our uh, kombucha history lesson. Yeah. So now let's get on to the good stuff. The nitty gritty. Because this is not a podcast all about kombucha today. No. Although it seems like we could probably talk about kombucha <laughs> yeah. for at least an hour. Right. Uh, but we're really today talking about our gut microbiome and gut health in general and Mm -hmm. the role that nutrition plays in cultivating our gut microbiome but then also the role that our gut microbiome plays in cultivating our palate for nutrition Mm -hmm. because it goes both ways which is super interesting to me i think that is the coolest part i mean it's one of the coolest parts yeah um Um, so first i guess we can just start by like defining what the gut microbiome even is yeah so when i was reading um and melanie and i both have microbiology in our background so we mm-hmm. do kind of know a little bit more about this than our some of our other typical topics uh but what i read and can confirm with my own little brain <laughs> is the mic the gut microbiome is essentially all of the microorganisms that Oh, someone just exploded something outside. <laughs> I just want everyone to know. Um, the gunshot? That was interesting. Uh, <laughs> we're just going to continue on. <laughs> uh, so the gut microbiome is basically all of the microorganisms that make up our uh, gut mm-hmm. cells. Okay. Our gut. Yeah. So uh, essentially, our gut microbiome is made up of about 100 trillion bacterial mm-hmm. or, or 100 trillion microbial cells okay 100 trillion microbes which is crazy Mm -hmm. i think that's like a 10 to 1 ratio to our own human cells and it's like i read a quote once like our entire microbiome if you look at like all the cells like i mean because our microbiome is bigger than just what's in our gut that's just the most populated uh area of our bodies that does have microorganisms but like our bodies are more cells that are not us than they are that are us which is crazy which if you ever needed a reason to live there is one (laughs) because you are essentially 
you are your own planet right Mm -hmm. like you have so much life just on you that needs you in order to survive right which i think is it was something as soon as you learn that it's just like a really cool fact that yeah you what you make up you contain more of like other living organisms than you do your own cells and your own self which is crazy but on top of that what we'll get into today is like those microbes can define some of our human behaviors right and that is also mind-blowing yeah because it's like how much of what i do is because of what i want to do it or because microbes (laughs) are making me because my bacteria are have their own they're like hey yeah i want some sugar right but yeah so our gut microbiota specifically is comprised of about a hundred trillion microbes and that environment is incredibly diverse Mm -hmm. i mean it's made up of a bunch of different microbes a bunch of Mm -hmm. different bacteria a bunch of eukarya uh different viruses i mean it's a huge diverse network of microbes that live within our gut Mm -hmm. okay of all different species all different you know everything which is crazy and uh why it's so important for us to look at this is that these microbes all contribute to they contribute metabolically mm-hmm. to our bodies so they help us digest foods that we wouldn't normally be able to digest they help protect us against pathogens they help educate our immune system right. and through these basic functions they kind of directly or like we said indirectly or directly affect most of our physiological function yeah which is i mean we don't think about often right and so i'll just give one example so a really important role of these microbes like i said is to help digest Mm -hmm. uh complex carbohydrates that we wouldn't be able to digest ourselves so that essentially means that the example that i have written here is uh xyloglucans which are contained in like lettuce and onions for example so Mm -hmm. it's kind of a complex carbohydrate uh, or like like a heavy starch, for example, something right. like that, like a poly, like a ha- complex polysaccharide. Okay, um, and we wouldn't be able to digest, as in we wouldn't be able to extract the energy mm-hmm. from this xyloglucan from this polysaccharide if it weren't for uh, bacteroids mm-hmm. who help to digest these these heavy dense starches, right. and they are able to digest them and then uh, extract energy from them and that or break them down mm-hmm. so that they can be turned into i think it's short chain fatty acids or something like that yeah uh, but basically something that's easier for us to extract energy from right yeah we we essentially do not have the in our genes we don't encode the enzymes that allow um these bacteria to break down these heavy polys heavy oh a little drunk already <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Um, we do not, we don't have the enzymes that allow, uh, us to break down, you know, these like super leafy greens or these starches or polysaccharides that the bacteria do, which is like super cool. Like we, we've co-evolved mm-hmm. with each other and developed this relationship to have these bacteria in our gut that are, you know, we're feeding them every day. So they're getting nutrients. They get to live in this warm, happy, healthy environment. And then in return, they're they're breaking down foods that we can't break down ourselves for 
I mean, basically our use as well. Yeah. And that's the textbook definition, like textbook for mutualist. Like that is a mutualistic relationship Mm -hmm. that we have with these with these microbes. Right. So we provide them with the most like a nice, warm, happy, healthy environment for them to continue to live, grow, thrive, whatever. And in turn, they help us keep that environment happy and healthy by helping us digest things um, for necessary energy that we might need. And they don't just help with, you know, metabolism of these complex carbs. Like they also help us, uh, they help with the biosynthesis of certain vitamins like Mm -hmm. vitamin K and vitamin B, right? Yeah. Which is biotin, folate, I think which is a precursor. Sorry, continue. Yeah. <laughs> no, but exactly. So they they help with the biosynthesis of a lot of different vitamins and and that's really beneficial for us. They they help uh they help us with the digestion of lipids and cholesterol, uh which is really good for us as well. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 they also help produce uh the secondary bile acids, bile bile acids. That sounded funny to me when I said it. Bile, bile acids. acids. They help uh, us produce those bile acids that are necessary for uh, transporting cholesterol and bad lipids mm-hmm. and things out of our body, right? Right. Um, so they play a lot of different roles for us um, that are really important for maintaining our daily function, not just in producing and storing energy, but also in absorbing necessary vitamins and nutrients from other food groups yeah so that's kind of an, a brief overview of what like what is the makeup of the microbiome mm-hmm. right so this development of our gut microbiome our entire microbiome you know because it's not just the gut right like we our right. body is a microbiome mm-hmm. but there's certain what defines each niche this is kind of an aside Mm -hmm. but like what defines each niche so there we have like an ear microbiome and a mouth microbiome and you know all these different microbiomes in our body and armpit microbiome but what defines (laughs) each of them is the the makeup of the Mm -hmm. different species of microbes in those areas because they're all different right (laughs) Uh, but they all so that kind of defines each one of those environmental niches Mm -hmm. so the gut microbiome uh that development is initiated like upon birth right so the minute you're you pop out of your mom's vagina i I just said the word the minute you pop out of your mom's (laughs) oh the the biological (laughs) word for the female sex organ why does it feel so strange to say (laughs) vagina like i have a vagina so it shouldn't be weird um yeah Uh, but yeah it's just that's what it's called (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but the minute that you you know pop out of your mom's vagina or c-section which i wanted to mention that Mm -hmm. so the minute that you're born that is what define like that is the initial defining moment for the start of your microbial health Mm -hmm. so people who are born vaginally have a like a very different microbial makeup than people who are born via Mm c-section even so that's kind of why i started with vaginal is because there are studies now saying that vaginal birth um increases the biodiversity of a lot of really beneficial bacteria Mm -hmm. whereas when you're born via c-section the first exposure to microbes is like skin microbes right which is a different you know niche than you would normally be exposed to 
as opposed to like the vaginal microbiome exactly and so the thing is it's like give give birth however you need to give birth okay (laughs) but you might want to consider if you do end up going through a c-section there's studies now and maybe you can bring this up with your doctor i mean not me or you because i'm not giving birth anytime soon. no no, no, no. Uh, but if <laughs> so you're so far off for, for our <laughs> listeners you know if you are getting a c-section you might want to discuss with your doctor the possibility of doing something called a vaginal swab where you actually um they will swab your this is it sounds gross but it's so beneficial they will swab your baby down with vaginal fluid as soon as it's born via c-section mm-hmm. so that its initial exposure is still to uh the vaginal microbiota right and so when i learned that i thought that was really interesting uh because it's little things like that that we are now we understand that sometimes vaginal birth is really dangerous mm-hmm. and c-section is has its own complications but in many cases it's a it's a it's a safer option for many women right yeah but could that be affecting your child's long-term health we're right. still we are now just learning and unraveling those effects right yeah there's no we don't have an answer for that right question. and you know plenty I know plenty of people who were born of C-section that live on to have very healthy lives. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you can do anything to kind of increase the likelihood of of decreasing risk of, of disease down the line, mm-hmm. might as well try it. And so I keep that in the back of my mind because if I ever was in the situation where C-section became the option for mm-hmm. giving birth, I would ask my doctor to do some sort of vaginal swab yeah. because it's known that the bacteria within our, our vaginal cavities are really beneficial. Mm-hmm. And that's part of of your child's initial exposure to microbes. Right. So that's an interesting little side tidbit. I also, I feel like I read something to, um, that, I mean, again, this is more in my opinion. I don't know the exact studies. Seems a little bit more correlation versus causation, mm-hmm. but... Uh, the babies that are born via c-section do have higher incidences of like asthma and yeah. allergies and things like that but but again there's so many other outside factors yeah uh, it's hard to really you know pinpoint exactly why that but i i would can see how that could be a contributing factor at, at the very least which i actually want to bring that up now too mm-hmm. because uh there's also been a lot of studies um at, because I can't, nobody, truly, we're, we're all talking from knowledge that we've collected, but at this point, the knowledge that we've collected is still pretty sparse. Like, there's right. still so much we don't know. And a and lot of it's very, you know, chicken or the egg kind of yes, a thing. Yes, With the microbiome. But I will say, you know, uh, one really, another necessary component of, of proper... Uh, microbial health in those early years uh, developing years is you know breastfeeding versus Mm -hmm. formula and one component of that which is kind of related to this increase in seeing like asthma in kids who were born of c-section is this uh, it's called bifidobacteria Mm -hmm. and what they've seen is that children who are breastfed actually have an increase in the proliferation i don't really like that word because it sounds really fancy but kind of like an increase in the amount of surviving bifidobacteria right and bifidobacteria are kind of one of the they're really necessary for those early stages of life because they 
help promote and activate different parts of the immune system. Mm -hmm. And so one of the theories is that in those early stages, cultivating an environment which supports higher production of bifido uh, can allow for to cultivate an environment which kind of primes your immune system for, right. for like primes a stronger immune response earlier on mm-hmm. so that you're less likely to develop kind of immune related diseases like different aller- allergy diseases, asthma, allergy related asthma, et cetera, et cetera. So those kind of t- go in tandem with each other. Right. And part of that also, I'm, I'm, I can say 95% sure that vaginal birth also plays a role Mm -hmm. in your initial exposure to bifidobacteria right yeah so it's like little things like that that we're just now kind of scratching the surface we're just Mm -hmm. now starting to learn so much about what those early exposures to bacteria or different microbes can do for our health down the line and and with that i will say because we're talking about like what do we mean early stages of life i mean the first three years yeah because it's really those first three years uh, where it, we as children develop our microbiome. And after that, it's it's kind of defined. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you can, you can determine somebody's, like, geographical location based mm-hmm. on their microbial, like, their microbiome. Mm-hmm. Because there are kind of set microbes that kind of set their microbial diversity after those first three years right and there's i mean but there's a level of influence with like food and stuff like that especially for your gut bacteria Mm -hmm. that can be more i think fairly variable but and and on top of that that's why certain things like understanding the effects of vaginal birth versus c-section mm-hmm. and also breastfeeding versus formula feeding are kind of important to understanding how do we form the microbiome the the micro microbial diversity that will be the best for our health later on right and so to kind of add on to that just one last point if you are to say, like, the the verdict still isn't out on whether or not breastfeeding versus, for, like, does it make a difference if you formula mm-hmm. feed your child? All that we know is that formula feeding often leads to less of this bifidobacteria, right. which we know is really important. But formula feeding also increases your child's microbial diversity. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it kind of skips ahead a couple of steps. And what they've seen in some of the studies that I was reading is that uh, if you are breastfed, then you have less microbial diversity, but you have this stronger, you know, bifidobacteria is more present. Uh, And then after a certain amount of time, you know, six months to a year, once you start eating solid foods, you know, your microbial diversity starts Mm -hmm. to increase. But uh, children who are formula fed, they start to develop signatures of an older child Mm -hmm. in those earlier days of life. So like if you're fed by formula, you have the microbial diversity of like a two or three year old child already. Interesting. So I think that that's really interesting, too, because there's like different components that end up affecting our microbial health uh, and and whether or not. I always thought that like a more diverse microbiome was better. Mm -hmm. But who is to say? Right. I think that's generally 
what people think just because you know you don't have one it it lessens the potential i think for there to be one bad kind of bacteria to come in and overrun your Mm -hmm. body and have all these other you know adverse effects Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's 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 more of a a checks and balances type thing but then you know say you have one bacterium that's super beneficial then you know that might also be okay it it, it just the chances of having one bacteria that are overrunning you know your entire gut microbiome is less if you have more diversity yeah you have more bacteria competing for different kinds of resources and different things like that so you're not going to get this and that's actually that's kind of my concern too because i was reading and like you know i was breastfed as a child but like I also working in public health you know the mantra is uh, fed is best like it does not matter if you're formula feeding or breastfeeding your child like feed like whatever you need to do to give your child the nutrients yeah feed your fucking babies (laughs) god damn Anna you feed your children I'm so sorry I don't know why I I yelled that at you you're so angry at me I don't even have a baby Uh, but no but fed is best and so that's the thing is I don't want to sit on this podcast and try to give information that will allow mom shaming to happen ever okay no. because a fed baby is a happy baby yeah. so if you need to feed your child's formula or you need to have a c-section vaginal breastfeeding it does not matter it is your body and you're the mother and you do what you need to do yeah, right exactly uh, but i was breastfed and i think there's kind of this assumption that breastfeeding is better mm-hmm. for your child because it's like the way like it's the natural way mm-hmm. right uh but I was concerned actually in reading this because it's like, okay, well, it sounds like formula feeding improves biodiversity. Right. But then breastfeeding like improves the um, the concentration of this bifidobacteria. Mm-hmm. But then bifidobacteria are like really selective. So if a bad bacteria came in, like I'm just asking this now because out of ignorance, seriously, like mm-hmm. if a bad bacteria came in and like you're micro your gut microbiome microbiome was like mainly bifido and bifido can't outcompete that yeah. bad one then yeah it could be so it's kind of like i guess the deal yeah, yeah. what's it's, the deal i don't know i don't know enough <laughs> so it was one of the it was literally like one of those situations where it's like the more that i read the less i knew i was like oh my god it was so hard that's what happens every single time i read about the microbiome right oh. and yeah and that's the other thing is like the research out there is so vague because most people are the same as us where it's like <laughs> we only kind of know what we don't know right (laughs) it's like okay well we see like there's no conclusion that can be made in any of these studies it's kind of like breastfed babies have more of this and formula fed babies have more biodiversity and we don't could be good yeah exactly (laughs) exactly and we yeah so that's kind of the the consensus right now Mm -hmm. uh but they do know that having at beneficial gut bacteria is always better you know right (laughs) so at least we can all agree on that Mm -hmm. uh and having those you know especially cultivating an environment which supports those beneficial gut bacteria and that includes bifidobacteria especially um are known to decrease your risk of a bunch of different diseases mm-hmm. um and that includes asthma 
different allergies, skin conditions derm- like dermatitis, inflammatory mm-hmm. bowel disease, neurodevelopment disorders, and also obesity. So we do know that those early stages of development in our microbial, in our gut microbiome, in our microbial diversity are really critical to the health and function of our bodies like now. Right. So I really hope my mom did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, and you know, like I said, it, it, a lot of the gut microbiomes also partially influenced, you know, by what we eat and that can change, um, as we grow up and as we eat differently and have different eating habits. Um, right. But which I can talk more about. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, cause like the six, the first six months of life, you assume normally those first six months, you're only getting breastfed or formula. Mm-hmm. You're not really getting like solid foods. So it's really after you start eating more solid foods that that starts to form change the diversity of your micro microbiome as well right because yeah. i mean the bacteria have to wait until we you know put something in our mouth yeah. and swallow it and then yeah. that's what they can use for uh, the bacteria in our gut that's what they use to also feed on and exactly to exactly um, so you know yeah of course those early stages those first couple of things are really important components but like long-term nutrition also plays a really really important role in how our health will develop as well yeah and it's actually super interesting like that kind of interaction yeah um and it it plays a little bit into the gut brain axis which Mm. is basically the idea that bacteria in your gut can communicate with your brain and you know cause different signals to be sent is kind of plays into that as well um but basically like so you have this super diverse bacteria right when you're younger and then you start eating different kinds of foods um and you get a different populations that might survive better you know Mm -hmm. so you so you have all these kinds of bacteria so maybe you have a bacteria that like can really break down starches and leafy greens and those you know healthier foods and then maybe you have a bacteria that's like really good at breaking down fats and sugars um, and those kinds of, you know, may- maybe more unhealthy. You have a bacteria that basically loves pizza. And you have another bacteria that's like a vegan and like only wants, you know, lettuce and spinach and yeah. kale and all those, you know, yummy, super, super yummy, nutritious <laughs> foods. Um, okay. <laughs> Look, I love my leafy greens, but... <laughs> eat your vegetables. Yeah. It, seriously, you know, if that is something to learn from to take away from this eat your vegetables and and <laughs> i hope you knew that before now <laughs> yeah i hope that we all learned that lesson in childhood somehow some way or another but uh yeah and that kind of plays into like what promotes bacteroids versus firmicutes which mm. i think the name firmicutes is i think they need to switch i know that that's not yeah. how naming like microbes works <laughs> uh but firmicutes is such a cute name like mm-hmm. I want to be a little firmicute. I yeah. saw I saw an article. I'll get into what a firmicute is in just a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I saw an article when I was like trying to read and prep for this. That was like how to get firm and cute this summer. <laughs> you were like, oh, and they were like by not eating for not promoting firm acutes and yeah, i was like what by doing so, the opposite. it's like what i want yeah so get yeah. firm and cute by eliminating from acutes right yeah but just but really yeah. really quick before we talk more about yes. uh, the firm acuties um <laughs> we <laughs> so so you eat these you know different foods and then you you end up getting bacteria say like you only eat cheeseburgers and 
pizza and like unhealthy fattier foods or whatever then you'll end up getting more bacteria that are going to be able to survive better on those foods so they right. they end up out competing some of the bacteria that like only really want to uh feed on you know the starchy right vegetables and things like that um so then once you kind of get this little bit of an imbalance, it's almost like this vicious circle, right? Because mm-hmm. you have all these bacteria that love cheeseburgers and they p- thrive on cheeseburgers and they want more of it. And so again, that gut brain axis type thing, um, there's actually like evidence that our microbiome can then influence what we crave because they're so good at breaking down these kinds of foods. They're like, well, we need more of this to eat. And it's just this vicious circle of like, you're eating more junk food because your bacteria want the junk food. But then by eating the junk food, you're causing more bacteria that want junk food. And then it compiles and compiles and compiles. Um, But luckily, I mean, you can then start eating like vegetables and have those, you know, vegetable eating bacteria kind of outcompete those junk food bacteria is a simple way to put it. But yeah, it's it's so interesting. Like we, <laughs> they control, they can control what we eat basically. That's a, isn't that like so, it's, it's mind blowing mm-hmm. because you always think about like, I don't know why, I just have like this craving for pizza. Yeah. And your bacteria are like ringing your dinner it's bell. It's because they're like, like pizza, pizza, <laughs> pizza. And you're like, I just have a craving for it. I Pepperoni now. Right, right. <laughs> and that's actually, so back to like the firmicutes yes. bacteroids thing firmicutes are the ones that are that thrive in a high fat high sugar mm-hmm. environment and and the reason for that like real quick for like the biology side of things is because they're actually just really really efficient at extracting energy from from different food groups right mm-hmm. so they do it really fast and and the reason like the theory just going into the biology mm-hmm. really fast would be that the reason why quote like firmicutes would be quote bad considered bad bacteria in some cases because it goes both ways there are, we need them but in a certain amount right um is because they're so good at their job that they end up breaking things down into this like uh easily easily digestible or easily uh reachable energy source for us uh, like that's where the short chain fatty acid thing comes in, right? So they kind of break it down into this really easily digestible or absorbable energy source for us, right? Mm-hmm. And our bodies are like, what do we do when we see an excess of energy? We store it. And right. that is fat, okay? Right. And so that's kind of how the cycle works is that firmicutes are like so good at their job mm-hmm. uh, that they end up producing too much accessible energy for us and then we end up just storing it away and that just trying to be nice right just trying to be like, you guys worked so hard on this and i'm just gonna keep it i'm gonna keep it you did a, a ma- there the we're, we become hoarders oh. of <laughs> could they be a little less nice yeah. okay i just want to be able to eat a fucking cheeseburger every once in a while and not feel guilty about yeah. it okay <laughs> but uh uh so that used to be a really uh beneficial trait Mm -hmm. for humans because if we're fasting for long periods of time we need bacteria that can you know extract the most amount of energy in the Mm -hmm. quickest amount of time as possible so that we can do exactly that so we can store it and Mm -hmm. we can use those energy sources when we need to because we're like hunting 
buffalo. Right. And we don't know when our next meal is going to be. Right. But now when we have an abundance of food, it's like Firmicute. It's like fucking settle the fuck down. Like, okay? I'm going to Trader Joe's like, <laughs> like right now. I can go anytime. You will get another meal. Like yeah. you don't need to do this. Right. I imagine Firmicutes are like your weird war veteran uncle that's like never really been right after he like saw trauma and it's like i don't know like and like jumps every time there's like oh. a loud noise but like they think that they have no idea where their next meal is gonna come from i don't know for uh, some reason that's like the the image i have in my mind that's funny because i now i actually there was an analogy that i read and now it's kind of how i picture them which is so not that no tell me <laughs> so now we're thinking you've got on one side of the spectrum Firmicutes are like this old war veteran that's like doesn't know when their next meal is gonna come. And the so next like, war, ah, yeah. Ah, 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 I must get my food. Like, gotta get all of the energy from this meal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but the analogy that I read is that firmicutes are like hyperactive children that are just hyped on sugar. Same thing. Same exact thing. <laughs> so, old war veterans and children. So uh, I see no difference. So it's like imagine like you're like t- back to children. God, I really hope that our talk about children does not jinx us. Um, but uh, uh, they're like like hyperactive three-year-olds that just tried ice cream for the mm-hmm. first time. And they're like, more, 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 more. <laughs> and they're like running around and they're like, how can we get more of this? And they're just like bursting with energy. Like right. they just have so much, like an abundance of energy. Yeah. And they... It's they that is kind of what influence it's like once a kid tastes ice cream for the first time they're mm. never going back right? right and that is kind of what i picture firmicutes to be doing which is like they really influence our craving for sugar mm-hmm. so the more firmicutes you have the more you crave these sugary high fat foods mm-hmm. and the more you feed the freaking little children that are like at the at the birthday party that are like more cake more cake yeah. more cake <laughs> and that is kind of how i picture firmicutes mm-hmm. So they are kind of cute. Oh, I picture just little kids, but like aggressive. Yeah. More cake, more cake. <laughs> <laughs> They're like uh, doomsday prepper children. Right. <laughs> Except for they're only stockpiling ice cream and cake. Yeah. So like not the healthy stuff. Yeah. Uh, which kind of brings it to the other side of bacteroids, I guess, are supposed to be like the good. Like they're like the mom or... I like to think of them as the vegan joggers. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they love them some leafy greens. Yes. They are really, they love the complex starches. They love the fiber. Like They're probably pretentious. They're probably yeah. a hipster. Yeah. They probably have been to some cafe in LA that has like the best vegan coffee ever. And they're not going <laughs> to yeah. shut the fuck up about it. And they probably are judging you for having kids that are screaming for cake yeah okay? every time like, that you eat I, I imagine they're sitting in your gut and every time you eat like uh, ice cream eyes. they're like hmm really <sighs> i would never put that poison in my body like that's how i imagine them yeah yeah that's how i that's how i picture them too um but so that's kind of what the theory would be about why having more bacteroids is quote like more beneficial mm-hmm. i guess is because the, the thing is, the funny thing is, my understanding is that they uh, are less efficient at 
breaking like metabolizing food mm-hmm. and producing energy which is what make like it allows for kind of a slow burn versus firmicutes okay. kind of do this like rapid like they just get all the energy and then we, our body's like what the fuck do we do with all of this we must yeah. store it for later well you think about i mean like leafy greens and like the starches right. and like the cellulose is really difficult to break down right it takes like a lot of energy to break down it takes a lot more I don't know. It, I, it's more like intensive where you have sugar. Yeah. You just, I mean, it, it's your your body uses sugar as the end product anyways. Mm-hmm. And so it's much faster to break down. Right. And so I think of like the bacterioid digestion process is a little bit more of like a slow burn. Mm-hmm. And so that's why what they right now, again, we really have no fucking clue. Mm-hmm. But the consensus at this time is that a ratio where we have more bacteroids and less firmicutes like we still need both right but where we have more bacteroids and less firmicutes like there's a ratio where bacteroids are coming up on top Mm -hmm. is what promotes healthier kind of leaner activity body activity and that's like why the main point for so for like obesity overall like we don't know super black and white right but overall obesity is associated um with the gut microbiota having really decreased diversity in their composition one way or another um well i mean typically not towards the bacterio whatever they're called bacterioids bacteria i say it differently every time it's okay um but yeah so so it's the reduced diversity is really like the main component that we can we can see more um consistently yeah i think to kind of tack on to that it's not like because we are seeing like changes in ratio and all this right but it really comes down to like what promotes obesity or what promotes these kind of inflammatory associated Mm -hmm. metabolic disorders yeah is this kind of dysbiotic environment like an environment that promotes dysbiosis Mm -hmm. okay which is essentially just kind of like a disturbance or an imbalance in our gut biological system Mm -hmm. so like a change in the number of bacteria in the gut which which then leads to the promotion of bacteria that are linked to different diseases so it's like our back body has lives currently in this kind of state of like homeostasis so it lives in like a really everyone is happy all the little microbes are really happy and they're all kind of they work really intimately together Mm -hmm. and they they help each other and it's like a really nice mutualistic symbiotic environment it's balanced it's balanced it's fucking the pride rock in simba yeah the lion king that movie and then fucking scar comes in yeah and he's like i'm going to fucking i'm gonna kill all and bring the- in the hyenas yeah <laughs> is, that, is that right that's the that is the plot of the lion king <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly he's like i'm gonna kill the the leader and no more peace and yeah. that's <laughs> Many people think that uh, The Lion King was based on uh, Hamlet, but it's actually based on your gut microbiome. <laughs> oh, God, you made me laugh while I was taking a sip, and now I am dying. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's actually entirely based on what's going on in our gut. 
but no, so then our body kind of goes into a state of dysbiosis, right? So one bad pathogen gets kind of introduced in this kind of like beautiful little environment where everyone's happy, you know, it's Pride Rock, and then mm-hmm. fucking Scar comes along and kills the leader. And then now everyone's like, ah, running around with their heads cut off. Yeah. Um, well, because now the bad bacteria are able to kind of take over in that environment. Right. Once that healthy kind of symbiotic environment is thrown off, mm-hmm. it's all kind of out of whack. Right. And so that's kind of this state of dysbiosis. Mm-hmm. And so regardless of knowing exactly what bacteria need to be there to promote healthy like Mm -hmm. metabolic health we do know that if our body is in a state of dysbiosis that is like the key right we just don't know what that state how that state works right yeah i actually i do have a this might be a good time to bring up an example of kind of what happens when we have this dysbiosis um and that's when you get a clostridium difficile infection Uh. um and so again it it normally Clostridium difficile, or C. diff, as they're more commonly known, uh, is a bacterium. And normally when it's introduced to your gut microbiome, it's not a big deal because you have all these other gut bacteria that are out-competing the C. diff, and it it kind of, uh, it's not significant enough to cause any issues. But if you have some kind of event that throws off your homeostasis in your gut or the balance of all these different microbes then it can become a problem so that's why c diff is often associated with like uh it comes after like antibiotic use Mm -hmm. um that's going to wipe out that healthy gut bacteria um because i mean antibiotics are relatively non-specific so Mm -hmm. it's gonna take out the good or the bad um Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it normally happens after you've been exposed to antibiotics or some kind of disturbance to your gut bacteria. And it essentially just takes over your gut microbiome and becomes a predominant bacteria in your gut. And then it causes this inflammation and Mm. colitis and uh, diarrhea for a really long time. Um, and it becomes a bit IBS, basically. It's like, and it's really hard to, to get rid of. Right. And it's, 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 pretty painful yeah and again it lasts a really long time because it is so hard to get rid of and it can come back too right yeah exactly um so uh, one of the main courses of treatment is antibiotics but that you think about like clostridium difficile becoming antibiotic resistant Mm. and then it's this vicious cycle of you're just wiping out more and more bacteria that are you normally would be helpful and now you just have this C. diff infection. Yeah. Um, so one of the re- ways that you can treat a C. diff infection is actually um, a fecal transplant or a, or a poop transplant, which is my favorite thing ever. Which is like you, you're eating poop. You, I don't think they make you eat it. I think oh. there's a medical procedure to transplant no, it. No, you should into just your gut. if you got C. diff. Wait, oh, disclaimer: don't. Don't do this. Do it. No. But if you got C. diff, you know, just kind of find a friend that's like, hey, you look pretty healthy. Can I have like some of your poop? And then just like eat it. Yeah. You're good to go. Love it. Yep. It'll taste bad. But like, you know, make some tea. I don't know. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're so done with me. <laughs> but no, it's really is a transplant. I thought it was like a pill, though, or something. I or maybe they're trying I'm to sure make poop pills I'm, or something. I don't know. I think that there's different... Um, methodologies okay for but but basically yeah like you take poop of a of a healthy person with a healthy gut microbiome and you're constantly shedding bacteria from your gut microbiome by the way and you know you take that and you 
transplant it into your own gut. So then now you have this variety of bacteria that are more diverse that can now outcompete basically the Clostridium difficile Mm -hmm. infection because they're not good at surviving in an environment where they're not the predominant bacteria. Exactly. Um, So yeah, it's it's super interesting. Yeah. But and and that also kind of ties into the concept of probiotics versus prebiotics for a long time too i didn't really i was like what the, if you're taking antibiotics which are non-specific then like won't probiotics also promote bad bacteria just as much as they promote good bacteria but that's that's not true because a probiotic is essentially like we said it's like a good microbe right and so one of the ways um that you can one of the ways that you can uh help kind of uh, decrease the risk of getting c diff which is like an opportunistic pathogen right Mm -hmm. is to uh make sure that your gut health is is on top of its shit (laughs) that was an accident if you can believe it uh but make sure that your your gut health is kind of on top of it right so Mm -hmm. probiotics when you're taking antibiotics that's gonna wipe out everything it's super non-specific but in taking probiotics and also prebiotics which prebiotics are like food they're non they're not carbohydrates that we can digest but they're kind of like like we said they're non-digestible carbohydrates for us but they are the energy sources for these healthy microbes that are living in our gut right interesting so in giving them prebiotics we're essentially giving them the essential nutrients that they would need in order to promote their proliferation Mm -hmm. promote their life and so it's kind of like yeah you're taking these antibiotics uh which wipes out everything but how do we make sure that what comes back to life is what we want and that's probiotics and prebiotics Mm -hmm. which help promote kind of this cycle of good gut health or good good promotes the good healthy bacteria yeah yeah and it's like hey guys we're gonna um real quick wipe most of you out um but i will give you some more and i'm gonna give you some more food so you can survive (laughs) it's like a bomb is dropped and then there's like the sick and they're like (laughs) need food and then just like food drops from the sky it's like the new rescue team comes in and it's like all healthy and we kind Mm -hmm. of relieve this environment that was once toxic and now it's kind of coming back to life Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and now the trees are blooming (laughs) 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 melanie just saw me have a freaking short circuit (laughs) the flowers are blooming the trees are growing you know apple orchards are coming back (laughs) specifically (laughs) apple ones though no yeah only apples (laughs) I don't even I don't even like apples. Really? Who doesn't like apples? They're such a like non-offensive fruit. I think um this is not confirmed. This is also really personal. I think I'm allergic to apples. Oh. And pineapple, which are not the same. Uh but interesting. I'm coming to this realization recently that pineapple makes my tongue and throat like super itchy. Oh, that sounds very safe. Right, but like not like oh my god i'm gonna die itchy but just like huh i'm kind of swelling i'm like oh that's like it feels like fuzzy almost Uh and then and i and i thought that that was just normal because i love pineapple Mm -hmm. so i was always like yep that sounds like i don't know pineapple's really acidic so maybe this is how everyone (laughs) experiences pineapple 
Uh, and then the other day I had a smoothie with pineapple in it and my throat got itchy again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, does this have pineapple? And that's when I realized like, oh, maybe I'm actually allergic. Mm-hmm. But the same sensation happens to me with most apples as well oh interesting and so i've actually like kind of stopped i used to love apples but i've kind of stopped because it 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 doesn't feel good right (laughs) so but i do like green apples that's (laughs) the only apple i'll eat so anyway green apple orchard thank you for thank you for listening to me talk about my (laughs) realization that i have some weird allergy to pineapple and apples which are not related but they both have apple in the name uh, so I yeah. didn't even make that connection in oh. my head, but sorry, <laughs> continue. <laughs> yeah, and so also, if you too get an itchy tongue and throat from eating pineapple, fun fact, that's not how it's supposed to feel. <laughs> so, you know, maybe you should, like, not eat pineapple. <laughs> See a doctor? No. Uh, maybe I'm, there's some gut microbiome bacteria that can fix here oh i <laughs> wish because i love pineapple oh but yeah so that's kind of like the benefit of probiotics and prebiotics mm-hmm. and those are all kind of contained in a lot of different food groups that we might eat on a regular basis and so if you if you don't want to just take a prebiotic or probiotic pill or vitamin mm-hmm. there are a lot of different foods that can and promote that anyway So, for example, a lot of prebiotics, like I said, are those kind of complex carbohydrates that Mm -hmm. are things that we can't extract energy from ourselves. It's like we require bacteria to help or microbes to help. Uh, So it's like those heavy starches and those fibers and those really complex polysaccharides and and all of that. So beans, legumes, oats, bananas, right? Mm -hmm. Like those complex starches, berries, all of those are things like if you're trying to get prebiotic health, those those are the prebiotics mm-hmm. that you can just eat. Like you don't have to go to the store and get a pill. You right. can just eat more bananas <laughs> um, or oats. Uh, so it's really just heavy starches mm-hmm. and, you know, complex carbohydrates and polysaccharides. And that's also something like my mom used to make me eat, not make me, well, make me eat <laughs> uh garlic like when i was sick and stuff oh interesting. like just cloves of garlic and there's a lot of like superstition around that like mm-hmm. garlic cures at all but mm-hmm. it actually does have a lot of prebiotic benefits so mm-hmm. it kind of promotes healthy microbiota so when you are sick it, it can actually be really beneficial to just pop a clove of garlic if you can wow. you can handle it just like whole yeah like swallow it whole or like you mash it up and like you you know you can eat you, it you, you put it in your it. pasta and you oh no <laughs> can well, i put it in my pasta kinda... with butter <laughs> is that the same thing let me just put my complex carb like my prebiotic mixed in with a bunch of like you fat, know, and, fat and and like pasta is like Carb. Is it a complex carb, though? Is it a complex carb? I, I think it is, but I think it, it's a different kind of, mm. like, I, don't, I honestly don't know. I can tell you right at this moment. <laughs> but yeah, so so I think it's just like eating garlic cloves. Mm-hmm. Don't eat too many, though, because I've heard that, like, if you eat too much garlic, you can actually start sweating the smell. Oh. So, like, don't, like, start popping garlic. I'm going to definitely do that when I, like, go out no. to parties. And then, like, I'm sweaty and I'll just repel everyone Melanie, so no one will lasts, become near like, me. like, days. Oh. Well. Like, you'll just sweat, gar- like, sweat garlic for days, for a week. That, that I think it would be more hilarious because 
my boyfriend is allergic to garlic. Oh. <laughs> You're like, so no, nope, can't touch me. You're allergic. <laughs> allergic to me. When he makes me mad, I'll just start eating a shit ton Perfect. of garlic and being like, mm, interesting. I don't know why you're having an allergic reaction right now. <laughs> I am so sorry, Chris. I just gave her the worst idea. <laughs> I just... Uh, okay, just don't piss me off. <laughs> um, but probiotics then are usually like fermented foods, mm. obviously, because that's what promotes certain bacterial or mm. microbial groups. So eating like sauerkraut and kimchi, kombucha. kombucha. And kombucha. <laughs> um, kefir is another one, which is like a, it's kind of like a yogurt, uh, mm. but it's like, it's a drink. Mm-hmm. I used to drink kefir a lot when I was a kid as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's essentially kind of a yogurt smoothie type thing, but it has a lot more probiotics in it. So go to the store and get kefir. It's pretty good. Uh, pickles, like unpasteurized pickles and unpasteurized pickled vegetables are also some Ugh, probiotics. I, I fucking love pickles. Just for the salt, though. I uh, saw a TikTok that uh, was like, only hot girls eat pickles. And I was like, yep. Agreed. I must be so hot then. <laughs> I'm incredibly attractive. Does my hotness increase with the amount of pickles that I eat? I'm going to say yes. Okay. It's like a direct... Co- it's yeah. not a correlation. It's a causation. This is scientific fact. Okay? okay. Perfect. The more pickles you eat, the hotter you become. It's just fact. Amazing. Uh, but yeah, so those are some alternatives to taking like a daily probiotic pill or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, is just increasing your intake of some of these like fermented foods in your in your daily diet you know if you enjoy the taste of them yeah um because like obviously i'm not gonna start (laughs) forcing myself to drink kombucha every day uh but melanie loves kombucha so she can drink it every day if it wasn't so fucking expensive it's really yeah it's horribly expensive and yeah so those are some things that uh kind of help can help promote um healthy gut Mm-hmm. microbiota and help promote a healthy gut microbiome especially and strengthen it especially in the face of something like an antibiotic or kind of an invasive mm-hmm. or opportunistic pathogen like c diff right. that could kind of come in and wipe out the whole system and really send your body into a state of dysbiosis yeah if you're gonna be like on antibiotics for a long period of time i would definitely yeah. recommend a probiotic. a probiotic and a prebiotic yeah, I would. That's that's my uh, professional advice. <laughs> Agreed. I completely agree. Uh, so that's all I have to talk about today. Yeah, I. Oh, I did want to mention a book that's like super easy to read. It might be a slightly. Um, I'm sure there's more in more recent information now because I think it came out in like 2015, 2016. Yeah. Um, but it's called Follow Your Gut. Uh, the Enormous Impact of Tiny Microbes, and it's by Rob Knight. It's like a super um, easy to read book. It's like not technical at all. And he talks about, he even talks about like his wife had a C-section and he, they did the whole vaginal swab thing for, mm. for their kid and stuff. But yeah, no, if you, if you guys want to learn a little bit more on this topic and kind of the more on like the gut brain axis he goes into and on diseases and stuff like that, it, it's, it's a, it's a good, um, quick read it's all it's not very long either you got me that i did get you You did i have that yeah and i it it seriously is like it's something where it's not it's really educational but it has like little cartoons and it's a lot more digestible it's something that you can kind of read and learn a lot without really knowing that you're learning it's not super dense and it's a really good way to learn more about this topic i completely agree yeah 
Um, so check that out. I'm sure there's tons of other books, but that's the only one that I've no. That's a great recommendation. Um, well, yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, yeah. At the end of every episode, we do like to cheers to something, mm-hmm. and I actually do have something I'd oh, like to cheers to. What would to you like today? to cheers to? I would like to cheers to our little friends, the Firmacuties. I would love to cheers to the Firmacuties. So cheers to them, Firmacuties, uh, for not keeping us firm and cute. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe. um, Give us a review. Yeah. um, On Apple Podcasts. It's really helpful. Yeah. Um, Tell your friends. Um, if you guys want to follow us on Instagram, our Instagram is science.overdrinks. Um, send us an email on your favorite uh, gut bacteria or any other topics that you want us to talk about. Um, and you can email us at scienceoverdrinks at gmail.com. Yeah. You can also follow us on Twitter at overdrinkspod uh, and uh, give us a shout out there as well uh, if you want to talk more about your favorite little gut microbes. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been such a fun episode. (laughs) All right. Um. (laughs) All right. uh, Talk to you next time. (laughs) Am I fucking hanging up the phone with my mom? Love you. (laughs) I literally almost said that. Um, Okay, guys. Well, we will see you next time. uh, And y'all have a great weekend. (laughs) I've never heard you say y'all in my life. Oh my god, I really hope we keep all of this in. Uh, okay. Well, uh <laughs> See you next time, guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye.